two of the most bizarre true crime tales we've covered so far. First off, a man driving down the freeway at 10.30 in the morning dies in a car accident. Simple tragedy? Suicide attempt? The police don't know, but it is odd that both of his nipples have been cut off. And then we travel to Spain to chase a truck full of sulfuric acid as it barrels down a winding mountain pass, eventually crashing and spilling acid all over the road. But as cleanup crews and police investigators look at the scene, they realize that underneath the acid is a deeper mystery. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. You know, I've had actually a great series of days, and it's thanks to you guys. It's actually thanks, well, it's thanks to you guys in theory, but it's thanks to one of you guys in particular. You know, a lot of times when I'm talking about the Patreon, I say, hey, if you can't support the Patreon, that's fine. Just get the word out about the show. I've never supported a Patreon, and I've been a rabid listener of a lot of podcasts. I've just never really been in the position to have enough money to support them. So I appreciate it when people support my Patreon. But if you can't support the Patreon, help get the word out about the show. I pitch that all the time, and I mean it very sincerely. There is a Reddit thread recently about the conspiracy theory iceberg. There was a Redditor who goes by the name Absolutely Fat, and they said hey, uh, there's a guy who's done a a couple episodes on this conspiracy theory iceberg, and you should check it out. And then someone asked for the link, and he sent the link. So those two posts on Reddit, within about 36 hours, got me 500 new subscribers on YouTube, and my my podcast downloads doubled from 1,000 a day to 2,500 a day. More than doubled. Two posts. Blew the show up within 36 hours. So... That's all it takes. That, that That's so awesome. And, you know, if you don't use Reddit or you don't use computers at all, just get the word out about the show. We got flyers you can print out from the show notes. Talk to your friends. Talk to your family. Harass people. Knock on doors. Really, really helps a lot. Stuart Meatball got banned from Facebook for three days for harassing people. So, again, you don't have to go to those links. But I really, really appreciate you guys getting the word out about the show. It really, really means a lot. So, absolutely fat. Today, we are going to give you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. You're going to be driving us around this episode. Because this episode is interesting, too, because I normally don't go true crime heavy. I normally only do one or two true crime stories a week. But both of these are so bizarre. And they both are related because we're going to hit some horror on the highway. And so we're revving up the Jason Jalopy. Let's all hop inside. Absolutely fat, you got the keys. We are first going to San Antonio, Texas. The year is 2003. It's a sunny spring morning, April 16th. The Jason Jalopy does not sound like that, but I'm in a good mood. Normally it's all... It barely works, but we got it souped up for this episode. By the end of the episode... Maybe back to normal. And you're thinking we're going to be hitting the highways. We're going to be going on these races. But first, we have to make a stop. We're going to stop outside this house. And we're just going to sit in an idling car. We're going to look. And there we see the house of Air Force Colonel Philip Michael Shue. He's a 54-year-old staff psychiatrist. He's drinking his coffee. Mm-mm-mm. Wife. Great coffee. Glug, glug, glug. He's sitting there. He's drinking coffee. And then he goes, you know what? 
Tracy, my wife, my beautiful wife, I have to go to work. And she's thinking, that's weird. It's an hour earlier than you normally leave. But she doesn't say anything. She doesn't say anything. Gives her husband a kiss. He leaves. It's 5.30 in the morning at this point. He's like, we're like, have to duck into the car as he's walking out of his car. He's like, that's weird. Why is it that old-timey car sitting in my uh, front yard? Oh, well. And he gets in his car, he starts driving away. Now, we're not going to follow him because we don't know what happens for a while. But let's go into this past. So, Philip Michael Shue, uh, Tracy's his second wife. He was previously married to this woman named Nancy. And it was an odd relationship. She was also apparently like a psychiatrist and she specialized in people who were into S&M, which doesn't seem like something you'd go to the psychiatrist for. You're like, oh, I really enjoy rough sex. I got to stop this. Like, I don't know why you would go to the doctor for that. If only I could get over my crippling addiction to sweaty anal sex. I don't know why. Is that a thing? Do people complain about that? I guess the person receiving it might. They're like, please make my husband stop. The point is, is that that was her specialty. And that's important. That may be important, actually. Philip was married to this girl, Nancy, before. The relationship was getting rough, apparently. The relationship was not physically rough. He's not coming home and getting whipped. Actually, we don't know. It's an interesting thing. So she's it. She's a psychiatrist for this S&M stuff. He's married to her. He's a staff psychiatrist as well. He starts to have some paranoid issues. He starts to believe that people are after him. And a big component of that is that Nancy has a $1 million life insurance policy on Philip. And he is like, that That sounds a little dicey. It sounds a little weird, right? And he's also getting, like, threatening letters. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna totally, like, beat you up and tie you down and, and, and chain you and whip you. And he's like, what? These sound awfully familiar. But he's getting, they're actually vague. It doesn't specifically say, read Fifty Shades of Grey to find out what happens to you next. It wasn't specifically S&M stuff. But anyways, he ends up divorcing Nancy and saying, hey, you need to cancel that. I didn't know this was a thing. He goes, so we're not married anymore. You have to cancel your life insurance policy on me. And she goes, no, I'm not going to do that. So apparently, I can take life insurance policies out on just random people. Is that a thing? Or I can, like, date a girl for a couple months, take out a life insurance. That would actually be a good thing. No, not a good thing. It would be a cruel thing. But what if you only dated girls who were in extreme sports, took out life insurance policies on them? I'm not going to finish that sentence. But, like, you don't do anything. You don't, like, you're not put, they're getting ready to base jump. And you're like, whoopsie, and you push them off. I guess, no, then they would have a parachute. But they'd be like, wee, thanks, Jason. You know what I mean poke holes in their surfboard or whatever if that's even possible this should be an adam sandler movie he's trying to kill his extreme sports girlfriend but she's just getting more and more extreme she goes to a piercing parlor and he's like infecting the needles he's like taking hobo blood <laughs> he's forced hobo blood all over the tattoo artist stuff and the tattoo artist doesn't notice and He's in. Fa- he's like. He's like giving his girlfriend a tattoo, and then it turns out that that like hobo's blood actually had like these awesome antibodies in it. She gets stronger. Adam Sandler's like foiled again. I don't. Th- I don't. Not only do I not think that's an Adam Sandler movie, I don't think any film studio would ever make that. But if you do, James Wan, I know you listen to the show. If you do, give me credit. Anyways, point is apparently you can have a life insurance policy on just random people. Or people you are in relationship with. So he divorces Nancy and he tries to get her to shut it down. She won't do it. He remarries Tracy and he... 
It's interesting because he dies, spoiler alert, I think I mentioned that in the intro, but there's this huge psychological autopsy thing written on him because the military really had to investigate this. Really goes into a lot of detail, like his mind states at certain points. And I recommend you guys reading that if you want to get into the real nitty gritty. I'm glossing over a lot of the stuff that happens in between Tracy and Nancy. But anyways, now we're back with Tracy and we're back to April 16th, 2003. He left the house an hour earlier than he normally does. It's now 8 a.m. We're on a freeway outside of San Antonio. So we're driving down the Jason Jalopy, down this road. And then all of a sudden, car flies by us. Whoa, whoa. We almost get hit. And we're watching it, and we're trying to catch up to it. Apparently, it's a TIE fighter now. It goes, and it's like dodging cars, and then it, you know, like, freeways normally have, like, the one lane, and then there's, like, grass, and then there's the lane going the opposite direction. The car goes off the road, drives between two light poles, hits something in the median, goes airborne, them Duke boys on the run again. The car then crashes down on all four tires. The driver corrects it. Keeps going. Now, there's no brake lights on at any point here. So we've basically just seen this guy do a Mad Max stunt. The car's coming, and it hits something, flies up in the air, it lands. He's able to regain control of the car. Keeps going, leaves the interstate again, smashes into a tree. Call 911, bro. We are you. You do it. Hurt. Come on. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. The rest of us, you have to call 911. The rest of us are getting out of the car. We're running to the scene to see what we can do. So we get to the scene of the accident. And he's dead. Not like, uh, my final words are, or I'm bleeding, or he's unconscious. He doesn't have it. His head is completely caved in. There's no bringing this guy back to life. And we're like, ah, ah, stand back, stand back. Don't, I'm holding you guys back because I know you guys like to touch dead bodies. Stand back. Don't, don't mess up the crime scene. And then the, the rescue crew show up and they're like, yes, this is, uh, this dude's dead. <laughs> In my professional opinion, as a rescue guy, based on the fact that most of his head is missing, this gentleman has passed away. Now, that's weird, right? But it's not unheard of for someone to be driving erratically, not hitting the brakes, crashing into trees and stuff like that. It's generally like, you know, suicide, maybe. Or drunk driving or accidents or something like that. But this is what makes this story so weird. When they take him to do the autopsy, I don't know if they noticed it right there because there's pretty much blood everywhere and the smoke and all this stuff. But maybe, maybe one of the rescue personnel goes, hmm, that's weird. His shirt has two little bloody... Bloody circles, right where uh, nipples would be. When they do discover this, he has he he doesn't have a head or his head's bashed in, so you know that is what killed him. But this is what else they notice: he has both of his nipples have been cut off. Not and there's no car accident thing unless he's like juggling razor blades while he's driving. There's no way you're gonna be in a car accident and you're like, oh no, my nipples, as like your seatbelt is like slink, chafing them off. It's not possible. I mean, I guess in an infinite universe of infinite possibilities it is, but not in ours. He has a six-inch-long gash in his chest. Now, not six feet deep, because that would basically be through him. I don't know, not six inches deep either, because I think, how big is six inches? Oh, I should know that. But, um, yeah, that would still probably be deadly if you had a six-inch hole in you. Uh, for, you know, in your chest is what I'm saying. So anyways, 
The point is, is that he had a big cut in his chest. That took way too long to figure out. Thirdly, which is possible, car accident, you know, ugh. Thirdly, his pinky was chopped off. Now, again, you could be in a car accident and you could be like having your finger in the vent. You lost the penny in your heater vent. You're trying to get it and you look up and you crash and you lose your pinky. But they could not find his pinky anywhere at the crash scene. Or his nipples, by the way. Again, it wasn't like his nipples were just like floating around. They're like, oh, here they are. They're underneath this can of Mountain Dew. They're gone. His pinky's gone. His nipples are gone. And to make it even more bizarre, if that's not weird enough, because, again, you could go, well, maybe, like, uh, he he was juggling uh, razor blades, Jason, and his nipples got cut off, and they flew out both windows, and they're on a seatbelt, and the pinky uh, just kind of disintegrated, right? You could possibly say that. But he also had duct tape wrapped around both wrists and around his ankles, like he broke free of something. So the police look at all this information, and they go, hmm. So we know that this guy had a life insurance policy of a million dollars, with an ex-wife who treated people with S&M, apparently. Again, they're like, what? Really? That's a disease? And, yeah, Sergeant's like, oh, some people don't like it. And then easily bruisable people, bananas, don't like it. And then, so they know that this guy looks like he suffered. It looks like he was tied up from somewhere. He left home early. Maybe he was having an affair. Maybe he went back to his ex-wife. She has this million-dollar insurance policy on him. We've got to keep bringing that up. Maybe something happened. However, the police look at all the available evidence and they go, oh, suicide. Why did we even investigate? It's suicide, obviously. Stamp. They have a big stamp that just says suicide on it. <laughs> Hit the court document. Case closed. And the, his wife, Tracy, is like, that's, that's totally impossible. There's no way that this guy killed himself. Not saying that he couldn't kill himself, but how? where are his nipples? Where are his nipples? Where is his pinky? So this is where we get into the psychological examination, the psychological autopsy. Oh, also, the duct tape had no fingerprints on it, and there were no no gloves in his car. So whoever put the duct tape on it wasn't him, or he did it, and then threw his gloves away, and then was like, oh, and throw my nipples away, too, as he's driving down the road. He was, all, he was being seen by one of his colleagues, another psychiatrist at the area, because he was dealing with some issues, but he had no suicidal ideation that at least was spoken of. He was planning on retiring in October of 2003 and starting his own career. He was really looking forward to that. He actually told his psychiatrist six months before his death that he had this feeling or this dream that, quote, his car went out of control on his way to work. Great violence was done to him. So it could be a premonition. It could be him setting the stage for something he was going to do. Obviously, the psychiatrist wasn't like, isn't that spooky? The psychiatrist wasn't saying it like that, but... That could mean that to a rational person, that means he was setting the stage for his eventual suicide. But anyway, so the police ruled it's a suicide. No crime took place. This guy duct taped himself and ripped his own nipples off and all this stuff and then purposely drove his car off the road into a tree. He didn't hit the brakes. It's a suicide. If it wasn't for all, you know, the missing body parts... It would just have been a normal suicide. Tracy, though, she can't really fight that. She sues Nancy and the insurance company to say she shouldn't be able to get the million dollars. She shouldn't be able to collect on the life insurance. She sues Nancy for just being Nancy. She sues USAA for not canceling the contract, even though he kept telling her to cancel the contract. And the judge in this civil trials, they're going through the whole trial. Nancy's doing her stuff. Tracy's doing her stuff. USA's doing her stuff. After the trial, the judge finally goes, okay, it's time for my verdict. 
You lose, Tracy. I'm not going to... Uh, the USAA was in their right. This is apparently some weirdo policy where you can have a life insurance policy on someone. So you lose the trial. And Nancy, you will get your million dollars in life insurance. You will. Tracy, you get $1.2 million in her life insurance policy that she had separately or something like that. And the judge goes, he was murdered. He absolutely, this was not a suicide. This guy was murdered. And everyone was like, what? That wasn't even part of your trial. And he's like, yeah, yeah, this guy was obviously murdered by somebody. And that's been it. The Attorney General of Texas goes, no, he wasn't. We're not changing the ruling on his death certificate. It was a suicide. Case closed. We're not looking into it anymore. I What I think happened, I know that you guys have been waiting with bated breath, is I think he went, he was either having an affair, he got into some S&M stuff, he was tied up, it got, and I don't know if Nancy was involved in this, but I think he was probably having an affair. Don't haunt me, ghost of Philip Michael Shue, but this would be my scenario. Probably having an affair. Got out of hand. He got tied up. They were cutting, cutting his nipples off. And he's like, hmm, this is going a little too far. And by the time they were like cutting his chest open, he broke out. Ugh, I'm out of here. And he runs. He gets in his car. He's driving. And then one of two things happen. He succumbs to the six-inch gash in his chest, which is probably unlikely. It wasn't like his guts were coming out. Or he could have realized that he, maybe it was even, like, a gay affair. Like, it's one thing to, like, cheat on your wife with another woman. Like, you can kind of tank that hit. You'll be like, yeah, you know, whatever. I was, I had a moment of weakness. But if you're in a, if you're a man and you're married to a woman and you have a sadomasochistic affair with a gay man, that, for a lot of people, that's a lot harder to tank. That's a lot harder to be able to, like, excuse as just a dalliance. So he could have been driving down the road and he's like, oh, no, my nipples are missing. How am I going to explain this? I'm just going to kill myself. So in the end result, it may have been a suicide, but that's my take on it. I have no proof of that just based on the the, <laughs> the hour of research I did on this topic. I think it was a suicide, but... Because I don't think, like, you're not like, oh, my nipples only got 10 minutes left to live. Like, I don't think his wounds would have killed him. I think he's the one who eventually killed himself. But he killed himself because he so he was going to get found out. Either he was having a heterosexual or a homosexual affair, and he was like, I can't deal with this. So that's my personal take on it. But and I do think it's weird that you can't cancel it. <laughs> I can get insurance policies against people. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story here. Now, for our next story, we're still on the freeway, but this time we're going to Spain. We're going to the mountainous region of Spain. And this one takes place in the year 1986. So I was a little kid when this one happened. I always think it's so weird. 2003, that's not long ago. I mean, I was in college back then. But like 1986, I was like running around playgrounds when this story took place. Most of you guys didn't even exist, but I, I existed. 1986, I was just, I was about 10 years old, discovering girls for the first time. And this story happens. Now, this is 1986, is June 25th. There's a truck full of acid, right? Which is obviously the best way you want to start one of these stories. There's a truck, this guy is hauling acid up the Somo Sierra Mountain Pass. It was a well-maintained truck. I don't know why I'm making it sound like Frankenstein's in the engine. But this truck is going up this mountain pass. This is in Madrid, Spain, that area. Headed towards the Basque region. So, woo, yeah, Basque people. Let's go, let's go. So there's this, it's a truck. It's not like a semi. It's a, I don't know anything about cars. This is what it is. It's a Volvo F12 truck. So I'm imagining it like a 
not not necessarily a pickup truck with a flatbed and there's just acid spilling everywhere. But I don't imagine it as a big semi in the story. But it is hauling an awful lot of acid. It's hauling 5,600 gallons of 98% pure sulfuric acid. So it's a lot of stuff. This is, stuff is not watered down. This is not your this is not your grandpa's sulfuric acid. This truck. Uh, I don't know why you make it sound like that. It goes up the mountain, right? And we're driving behind it, and you're like, Jason, do we really have to be behind? I'm all, like, removing the windows. Like, yes, smell the fumes. Smell the fumes of the acid. The truck's going up the mountain. It gets to the top, and then it basically just starts barreling down the mountain. And it's not a straight shot. It's not like a slalom or solemn. You know, what skiers go down? Which a mountain? It's going down this mountain, right? And cars are like, beep, beep. They're like getting out of the way. At one point, a car gets ran off the road from this truck. It's just, car gets ran off the road. And a white car, like a white van pulls up behind the car that gets run off the road. And two people jump out of the car. And they're like, are you okay? I just saw that truck almost ran you off the road. And the guy's like, yeah, that lousy idiot. The woman, so it's a man and a woman jump out of this van. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I know he totally sucks, right? Uh, I'm a nurse. I'm just one of, the woman says this, not the dude. Not like it matters, but the woman goes, I'm a nurse. The dude's like, men aren't nurses. He has his, his arms crossed. Uh, uh, uh. And the woman's like, yeah, 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 whatever. I'm the nurse. I'm the nurse. Are you okay? And the dude's like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. But just stop that truck. So they jump back into these man and this woman jump back into the van. They're driving down the road. Now, the truck also hits a car and knocks off its like side view mirror. Yeah, keeps going down the hill. The white van stops, man and woman jump back up, out again. Guy's now wearing a shirt that says, not a nurse. And the woman's like, are you okay? I saw that car hit you, hit your car and knocked your, wind, your mirror off. And then the guy's like, yeah, yeah, it really startled me. But stop that truck. That's the new game show in Madrid, Spain. <laughs> Every week, they get a truck full of sulfuric acid and just push it down a random mountain pass. Truck keeps going down the road. And eventually, it's like going 86 miles an hour. It's a windy mountain road. Eventually, everyone knows what's going to happen. The driver loses control of the car. It tips over, and all over the roadway is 56,000 gallons of 95% sulfuric acid. Now, there are some shepherds in the area because it's the Basque region, and that's the number one job over there. They're sitting there with their shepherd crooks, hanging out, eating shepherd's pie, hanging out with some sheep. And are you a sh- is shepherd? Do they only do sheep? Is that what that name means? Like, can you be a shepherd of goats? Or are you a goat herder at that point? Like, shepherd, sheeper. Anyways, they're as they're debating that, they're like, no, I swear. I swear I can start raising goats. You can raise goats, dude, but you won't be a shepherd. As they're having this conversation, they're, <laughs> they watch this truck full of sulfuric acid. <laughs> Throw sulfuric acid everywhere. And basically, they're like, whoa, dude. The white van pulls up. Man and the woman jump out of the van. They go to the wreckage of the car, of this truck that sulfuric acid is coming out of. They take a box out of it, jump back in the van, and leave. The shepherds are looking at each other. They're like, hmm, that was interesting. Rescue crews show up. Now, at this point, sulfuric acid is completely, like, leaking everywhere. Rescue crew has to wear respirators. Even then, you're having people who are having breathing problems. The acids get in their lungs. You have to be careful because I guess the fumes could ignite. It was this whole entire ordeal. They go into the cab and they see the driver. 
It's this dude named Andres Martinez, and his wife is also in the car, Carmen Martinez. They're both dead, and they're both just bubbling and boiling away because a bunch of the acid came into the cab. And the investigators are thinking, must have lost control of the truck, and they died in the car accident, hopefully died in the car accident, and the acid is just doing what acid does best, aciding stuff, eating them away. I mean, obviously, it would have been much worse if they were like, we survived that car accident, ah and they're just as acid was filling up the cab. So the investigators shut the door, and they're like, don't look. They're telling the other investigators, don't look in there. It's totally, totally gross. So they're pouring, like, lime stuff, quick lime, and they're pouring sand to kind of help neutralize the acid and stuff like that. Everyone's clapping because they finally stopped that truck. This show's been going on for three seasons, and no one ever done it before. They're putting it out. Now, it gets to the point where their cops are like, okay, now we got to start notifying next of kin. These are the only people who died in this car accident. They get a hold. They f- find out who these people are. I'm assuming they're, they look through their wallets because they're, they're all gross. They're all acidy, right? It's not like they can go, hey, I know that guy. And then you call up like somebody who worked at Acme Chemicals and you're like, hey, I think your uh, uncle died in an accident. And they're like, Uncle Joker, no way. But no, they found, they didn't identify him based on the horrible acid wounds. They found the driver's license or license registration. Somehow, that's not the point. Somehow they track down Carmen's mom. They make a phone call and they go, horrible accident. She's like, that's a, that's a, that's a hell of a way to start a phone call. He's like, sorry, sorry. I'm with the police department. Your daughter and her husband were driving down a road in a truck full of sulfuric acid and they're dead. They died on impact, and they have melted now. They're they're quite me- melted. And she goes, so that's that's a hard phone call to make. And I'm sure he was a little less blunt than that. It was totally gross. Your daughter was all melted. She's, here's here's what's left. It's a little. It's like it's like a tune being dipped in acid. She's like, no, my daughter, my daughter was Betty Boop. Anyways, anyways. It's horrible story. I don't know why I'm making all these jokes. This horrible story. So the grandma gets this phone call, and then she says words that change the course of the entire incident. The ma- the the grandma says, "This is a quote." And the boy, please tell me the boy is all right. Cop is like, uh, yeah. Let me get, yeah, yeah. Let me get back to you on that. Sorry, phone's breaking up. Reception's really bad. Hangs up. Turns to the other cops and they're like, did you see a kid in that car? And cops are like, no. Now this, they're calling the next of kin within a couple hours that this is going on. So now they look over at the scene and there are pounds and pounds and pounds of sand and and lime all over the crash scene. They're like, put your respirators back on, boys. We got to dig and we got to see if we can find this kid. Because when they looked in the cab, there was no kid. They also then, they go, okay, let's see if the kid was somewhere else. Because he's a truck driver, all of his movements were tracked. He had this little tachometer in his car that like show, it's this thing, I think in Europe, I know in Spain they have it, but it like shows how the car is running and where it makes it stops and stuff like that. They're able to start doing all this investigation. Over the next three days, this is kind of what comes about. One... They go to a local restaurant, and the guy's like, oh, no, no, they all three were here. The son was here with them. So they go, okay, so we know the son was with them very, very recently. And then they realized that when they were looking in the car, they saw kids' clothing and, like, uh, music, like, raffy music cassettes and stuff like that. And they're like, no adult would ever listen to this garbage. So that was another clue that the kid was in the car. But where's the kid now? The first thing was maybe he's buried under all the sand and the quicklime. 
So they're digging all that stuff up. They can't find him. The second theory is that maybe he just melted. Maybe there was nothing left of him. And so they ran that by some scientists and basically got laughed out of science school because they're like, it would take five days before the bones got eaten by acid. Like, acid doesn't work like that. Like, yeah, they actually said if you took him and put him in a pit of nothing but acid, it would take five days. If you just had him in a car and he got splashed with acid, there's not even a chance he's going to melt. You're going to find hair. You're going to find teeth. You're going to find most of them in the amount of time they've been talking about. Another theory is that he didn't have a seatbelt on. They could say that based on where he would have been sitting, he didn't have a seatbelt on. It's possible he got, when the car crash happened, he flew out of the car and landed somewhere and then simply got up and walked away. That one, they go, it's, (laughs) okay, (laughs) they think he might have gotten thrown out of the car and like fell in the river and died or just like fell down a ravine and is still there that is a theory the other one is that he could have gotten thrown out of the car and survived and just walked away because that has happened now they said due to the violence of the accident and the copious amounts of acid it's he wouldn't have walked away and been like oh, I don't remember who I am, but I'm going to become a blacksmith in this village and just, like, build this new identity. He would have been like, oh, I don't know who I am. Also, ah, my face, as I'm covered in acid. And even if he did wander to the next village, they'd be like, he's not like, here, I'm a, I don't know who I am. I want to be a blacksmith. He'd be like, hey, I don't know who I am. Uh And they'd take him to the hospital. So they don't really know. The weirdest thing is the people in the van. So... The the people in the van appear to have been following this truck. It stopped when the one car got ran off the road. It stopped when the car got hit and the rearview mirror got knocked off the side. And then it stopped and it retrieved a package from the wreckage before things got really acidy. Got out of there. And the police, that last story, what happened was police were saying, while they were investigating this, people were like, oh yeah, I talked to these two shepherds like right after the accident and they said the car stopped and these people got package out and then they took off. And- they're like, what? And then other people were like, yeah, yeah, there was two shepherds who were up there and saw that. When the police went to question the two shepherds, they questioned every shepherd in the area, and none of them said that they saw that. Which means one of two things. It was some weird urban legend that started within hours after the accident, or the two shepherds who saw that disappeared. There's a lot of fringe theories about this. One is that they were being pursued. There was a, that white van was actually chasing the acid people. And maybe they were dealing drugs or, and that was the package that was retrieved. Possibly. I think if you were pursuing them, I don't think you would stop at each side. You would be a really terrible drug dealer if you're like chasing down someone who's stolen your drugs and then they like mildly inconvenience someone and then you jump out and you're like, hey, look at my face and look at the license plate of the car I'm driving. You're okay. Perfect. I'm going to go, I'm going to go fight these other drug dealers. See you later. Like that'd be a really bad tactic for a drug dealer. But did they take the kid? Like, where's the kid? What was the car doing following it? It's such a bizarre story. And it's so bizarre, I don't really have an explanation for it. Like, if the kid was last seen weeks before the accident, you could think maybe something, maybe they accidentally did something to the kid or hurt the kid or left the kid, and then they were so guilt-ridden, they decided, let's just commit suicide. Because he wasn't breaking when he was going. And that's the thing. People describe the truck as being out of control, but when they started looking at the tachometer of the truck, they're like, he was totally in control of the truck. He seemed to be meaning to drive that fast down that road. The brakes worked perfectly fine. He just wasn't using them. It's possible that the white 
Van had already done something to the kid and was chasing the family to finish off the job. Who knows? Really, who knows? We just know that two people are dead and a child is missing. I think the best case scenario is that that little dude, his name was Juan Pedro Martinez, is still alive. That he got thrown clear of the vehicle and like landed. There was like a pillow. There's like an old dirty mattress just out of sight of all the investigators. He's like, uh. I mean, that would be the best scenario. Worst case scenario is something awful happened to him before the events of this day. I think the middle place scenario would be he gets acid on him. Ah! And then he jumps out of the car and runs before the white van shows up. And then he, like, rolls around in the dirt to, like, neutralize the acid. And he's like, ah! And then he looks and he sees the white van and they're like, ha, 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 ha. Because they caused the accident, is what that implies. And then they take a package, and he's like, no, not the package, this little boy. And his parents are dead. And then he wanders through the, the like, grasslands of Spain. And he's training every day. He's, every day, he's, like, picking up. He has these weights full of sulfuric acid. He's just, like, lifting them. Yeah, so then it's good, because if he drops them, then he gets more acid on them. So it makes it so he, he doesn't drop the weights, like Planet Fitness. And he's just like, oh, yeah. And he's, like, working out every single day. And then he basically, like, a sheep herder. Those two sheep herders, they meet him. And they're like, hey, dude, uh, you look all messed up. And he's like, I know. I know. But but help me train. So then he learns the ways of the sheep. He learns the fighting styles of the sheep. All of his fighting styles are just headbutts. He just headbutts people. And he's building up to the day where he's going to find these people in the white van. He's going to get revenge against them for killing his family. So he's, his costume is just all wool. <laughs> it's all wool. It's all wool. But he doesn't, never hides the scars on his face. Because he wants those two people. He wants that guy who doesn't think men should be nurses and the woman nurse to recognize him when he shows up. And then he can headbutt him. So after eight years of training, he's going to turn 18. And now he's ready to go out and, and seek out vengeance. And his weapon is a shepherd's crook. And one night he's like crawling around on a rooftop and there's like a big sheet glass window and he sees there's a white van parked in this like drug dealer's headquarters and these guys are like ha 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 we've cornered the acid market sulfuric acid that you have to use this stuff to make gold and then then he knows he's at the right spot and then he jumps through the stained glass window it's not stained glass it is now it's a church the the Vatican's involved in this. Jumps down. The Pope's like, "Oh no, it's it's the acid dude." <laughs> he doesn't have a name yet. He's he's fought some low level crooks. No one knows who he is. He starts throwing a shepherd crook around. He's like he's throwing it around people's necks, and then he pulls them towards him and he headbutts them, and then he like headbutts the Pope, and the Pope's like, "Oh my hat!" And it falls off, and his hat actually had a bunch of acid in it, and then um, the end. Like I think that would be I basically. <laughs> I don't know. I hope Juan's alive is basically what I'm saying and having a life full adventure. Maybe not headbutting the Pope. That might have been too much. But deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.